We're going to start here on the top of Tzadikim Omeralef. Yesterday we left off with the Machloket, actually a three-way Machloket with regards to Shnaim Shesu, when two people participate in doing Melacha on Shabbat. So here we have the opinion of Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir says you're always Chayav. Whether you are a contributing member, you were necessary or not necessary here, you're always Chayav according to Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Shimon has the opposite opinion, which is that you are always Patur. Whether it's Zeyachov, Zeyachov, or Zeynochov, Zeynochov, both times you are Patur according to Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Yehuda has the middle position, which is that when you couldn't have done it yourself, when you would have been unable to carry out the malacha yourself and the two of you do it together, there you will be chayav. On the other hand, if you do it in a case where both of you could have accomplished the malacha by yourselves and you do it together, there you will be patur. That is what Rabbi Yehuda says. The reason why in Rabbi Yehuda I mentioned yesterday that the Gemara formulates the position of Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon differently. Both the Ritva and the Rashba say that it's just a difference in Lashon. There's no real difference between them. Rabbi Chaim, on the other hand, picks up on that nuance and the difference the way that it's formulated for Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Yehuda. Or he says they both apply to Rabbi Yehuda. He says that there are actually two dinim in Shnaim Shasu, which is, number one, the drasha that Yachid Shasau, Velo Shnaim Shasau. That's been an individual. A single individual does the malacha, not two individuals. And there's a second malacha, which is you have to do hula velo miktsata. You have to do the entire malacha and not a portion of the malacha. As far as what is the logic behind the shnayim shasua, two ways to formulate this to say why shnayim shasua when zeno yacho when each one of them independently is unable to accomplish the Malacha that you're Chayav, according to Rabbi Yehuda, is either because, as the Rambam says, each person did B'chol Kocho, each person did the maximum amount they could have done in this situation. Since they maximized what they could have done in this situation, they're culpable because they did Pula. They did what they could have done. They did Kol Asher Yechol Asot. Right. They did anything they could have done. So that's one way to look at it. That's the way the Rambam seems to formulate it. The other way to say it is that the Torah says you have to do kola melacha or kula. When you do the maximum of what you can do in a situation, we can say achshavay. The Torah considers it if you did the whole melacha because you did all that you could in this situation. And not because of that you've done kola melacha, but rather the Torah then applies the principle of achshavay that we consider as if you did the entire melacha. And because of that, you will be held culpable. So those are the two ways to view that position of Rabbi Yehuda. The Sri Deish actually gives a nice explanation of the difference between Zeyachov and Zeyachov and Zeyachov and Zeyachov. What's the difference in the position of Rabbi Yehuda? He says, Trying to generate two culpabilities from a single malacha. That we can't do. And if we divide the culpability and we put it on each party, then each party only has a chatzi chiyuv. And that the Pasuk says, you're not culpable for it because you have to be Yosef Kula, Lo Mixata. But when a case of Zeinu Yechov, Zeinu Yechov, they couldn't have done it themselves. Shishneim Nishtatfu L'Maaseh Avera. They were both participants to Maaseh Avera Achat. Over there, we don't have to come up with more than one culpability. There's one on violation. But, there are two people who generate the chiyuv. We find this in other places where there are two parties who join together to create a single Maisa like Adam Zomimim or Shnaim Shiganvu, that they're both chayav, even though there's only one Aveira. And what's the logical difference between them? Who? Pashut. It's very simple. 
Each one of them does the Masseya of Eraf in themselves. He doesn't need the other person. Therefore, they cannot be partners. We can't look at them as a single entity towards this single violation. And therefore, if we want to be Mechayev, both of them, we have to split the Avera in half, and that doesn't work. But in the case of it's as if they become like a corporate entity. They become a single entity that violated a single Isur. Now, they need that entity, because without that entity, they couldn't have violated the Isur. The same way that two Edim become a single unit of a dut, and they're only culpable when they are together. A single aid is useless. So, so to here, when the two of them come together to join together to do the Masseya there they accomplish it together as a single group, a single entity. And it's as if the group did the Avera, but every person in the group is necessary, and they are Chayavin, because each one of them is that active participant to create that entity that violated the Avera. Now the Gemara asks, about seven lines down, on the top of Zavi Gimel and Alpha, by what is the premise of the Machlok between Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Shimon, and Rabbi Yehuda? When it says, Vahai Kura, the argument of this Pasuk, that is found by the Chatat, V'imnefesh echat techeta bishkaga mi'ama'aretz ba'asuta. Rishim believes, Tlate mi'ute ktive. There are actually three mi'utim written in the Quran. Nefesh techeta, achat techeta, ba'asuta techeta. So basically he sees the three mi'utim as nefesh, achat, and ba'asuta. So one is chad mi'ute ze'oker v'zemeniach. One of them comes exclude the case where two parties join together to do a single malacha like herring. One of them does the akira, the removing of the item from whatever reshut it is in, and the other one places it down in the other reshut, whether it's reshut yachid, reshut rabim. Basically, the first mission on the Masechta, where we have two participants, each one contributing one half of the Milacha. And you see in Tosafot that nobody asks about the case where one person writes a single letter and another one writes another letter. So there you have the minimum requirement for writing on Shabbat is It's two letters. Nobody says, well, if this guy wrote one letter and the other guy wrote one letter, oh, now we have a Milacha. Gemara doesn't have a Havamina about that case. That's because there is clearly what we call Chatsi melacha, not chatsi shiur. It's a distinction that Rav Soloveitchik drew. You have to look carefully. Sometimes the shiurim in the melacha are telling you the amount that you have, for instance, like you have to carry. Krugo geret. Carry at a fig size. You take out less than a fig size, it's not that you're not carrying. It's just that you're carrying something sufficient to be culpable in this case. That's called a chatsi shiur. On the other hand, sometimes the shiur defines the melacha. It's not a melacha without that shiur. So for instance, by shteotiot, that is what's called writing. Without two letters, you haven't written. So if you do one letter, it's not that you're doing half of the writing. You've done nothing because writing requires two letters. So there's a difference what he determines as the difference between chatsi shi'ur and chatsi malacha. So that's why, as Tosfot over here just says, oh, it's a given that nobody asked about the two letters. That works well for what Rav Soloveitchik suggested because by the two letters, everybody agrees it's chatsi malacha. Everybody agrees by the case of carrying, if you carry out a chatsi grogeret, that it's patur of alasur, because you have a chatsi shiur there that you're carrying out. The question of the Gemara relates to malacha like carrying. In carrying, you have two significant portions or pieces to the malacha. You have akira and you have hanacha. So that's the real question here. Is akira and hanacha a chatsi malacha? And therefore, the possibility that you would be patur, which is what the Gemara says over here, based on the miyot, or by that melacha of carrying, do we say each piece is significant enough by itself that it is considered as if you did a portion of the melacha or part of the melacha? 
And that's why the Gemara over here comes, Echad Meutei, that's what they came to be Mi'ayit. Ozeoker, Vizemaniach, not the case of one letter and the other letter. Echad Meutei, the next one comes to exclude a case of Zeyachol, Vizeyachol. If each one of them independently could have done it, and now they do it together, then they are Turim. Echad Meutei, and the third Meut comes to tell you, Zeyachol, Yachol. When they both are unable to accomplish it individually, but together they do it, over here Rabbi Shimon believes that there's a mute from the Pasuk that excludes them because they are not accomplishing sufficient Mulachah. They're not doing the whole Mulachah. And Rabbi Shimon is going to define the whole Mulachah as meaning you must do the whole Mulachah. None of this fancy footwork to make it as if you did the full Mulachah. If you don't do the full Mulachah, then you are... Patur. And that's why Rabbi Shimon's opinion is that you're Patur in all these instances, whether it's you're able to accomplish it or not accomplish it, without the other individual, you're still Patur, because I have these three Mi'utim. Vir Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda comes along, obviously he disagrees, he says, Chad Zeh he agrees to the first Mi'ut of Rabbi Shimon, that it comes to exclude doing half the Melacha of Hotah. the second one he agrees to Rabbi Shimon as well, which is the Mi'utei Zeyachol Vizeyachol. He agrees to that fact that if you're both capable of doing it yourself and you do it together, that you are pturim. And the last one comes to exclude a case of a yochid that does it with the permission of beitin. Permission of beitin is that beitin paskin that this is mutar. And he goes ahead and he does it based on that sakalach of beitin, even though they're wrong. He's still what we call an ones. He did it relying on beitin. And what else should he have done? He relied on beitin. We can't hold them culpable in that case. And that's what it comes to me, Tobir, is that he has to do it and not rely on Beitin in order to do it because then he becomes an Ones. So therefore, Rabbi Yehuda doesn't have available the last mute to exclude the case of Ze'enu Yochol, Be'ze'enu Yochol. And that's why Rabbi Yehuda believes by Ze'enu Yochol, Be'ze'enu Yochol, that you are Chayav. In that case, you are culpable because he doesn't have a mute to use it for something else. Ve Rabbi Shimon. What does Rabbi Shimon do about this issue of Yochid Shasab Arad Beitin? What does he do with that? So now, the girsa that we have in our Gemara is, Rabbi Shimon, what does he do? Yachid Shasab Arad Beitin Chayav. He thinks he is Chayav. That's the girsa that Rashi indicates, and that's why it's in our Gemara. Rabbi Shimon Latame, Rabbi Shimon to his reasoning, Damar Bahoriot, Yachid Shasab Behorat Beitin Chayav. And that's the girsa that we have in our Gemara based on Rashi. Tosafot disagrees and says that it's just not the case. If you look in Horiot, Rabbi Shimon is actually Poter and not Mechayet. So he thinks the Girsu is wrong here. And that the Gemara really should say over here, Yachid Shasab Barat Beitin for Rabbi Shimon is Patur, but it's for a different reason. He's Toleb Beitin and he's an Anus. We don't need a specific miut to tell you that Anus is Patur. Anus throughout the whole Torah is Patur. That's not something that you need that's special over here or unique to here. And so therefore, Tosafot believes that the girsa over here is incorrect. It should just say, Rabbi Shimon Yechit Beitin is Patur. It should leave it out entirely. One of the two, not like Rashi, who thinks that Rabbi Shimon thinks he's Chayav in the Gemara in Horiot. Rabbi Meir, what about Rabbi Meir's opinion? So Rabbi Meir, first of all, eliminates one of the Mi'utin. He says, it doesn't say, Mi'utin Nefesh Techeta Achat Techeta. Doesn't say them as separate statements. It says nefesh achat techeta. So why are you breaking them up into two miutim of nefesh and achat? And therefore he combines those two to say that they are a single miut. Nefesh techeta achat techeta basuta techeta tre miute tive. And therefore there's only two miutim written in the pasuk. That is nefesh achat techeta and basuta. 
Chan de miute is zeh oker v'zeh maniach. He agrees on the first miute that that comes to exclude the chatsi melacha by hotza like everybody did. Pechad and the second one he agrees with Rabbi Yehuda is for the miute yachid shasabarat beitin. That's to come to exclude a case where yachid relies on beitin when he does the avera. That means, according to Rabbi Meir, he has no exclusions for the case of Shnaim Shasua, and it makes no difference. It's irrelevant whether you can do it yourself, you were capable of doing it yourself, and you did it together with someone else, or you were incapable of doing it yourself, and you did it together with someone else. In both those cases, you will be Chayav, Chatat, because he doesn't have a miyut to exclude those individuals in the cases of Shnaim Shasua. So that's important to note, because what is true here is that everybody would have agreed that by Shnaim Shasua, that they would have been chayav if it were not for the pasuk. You need the miyut from the pasuk to come to exclude these individuals for being chayav. Otherwise, and that's what basically what Rabbi Meir's position is, Rabbi Hud and Rabbi Shimon only disagree with Rabbi Meir because they have a miyut that comes and specifically says that in these instances you are not chayav. So had it not been for the psukim, it would have been chayav, and that's Rabbi Meir's position. Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Hud have, Rabbi Yehuda has one miyut and Rabbi Shimon has two miyutin, to exclude these cases of Shnayim She'asu. Now the Gemara continues, Amar Mar, The case that we had in the bright, uh, that we brought down before, a case where this individual was capable of doing it himself, and the other one is incapable. So now when they come joined together to do this, Everybody agrees you're Chayav. Which one of them are we going to be Mechayev over here? Now, as Tosafot points out, nobody thinks that the one who did basically the malacha and it was dependent on him, is patur. That's not an option that the Gemara is really contemplating over here. It says the Gemara is really only contemplating two options. One option is that the zeyachol, the one who's capable of doing it and did it, that he's chayav, and the zeyno yachol is patur. Or the other option is that they're both chayavin. That's the two options of the Gemara. Nobody would suggest that they're both pturim. There's no reason to believe that the one who's capable of doing it and he did the whole malacha, that he should be patur. So that's what he says, the formulation of the Gemara. So, I mean, I am a chayev, I'm Rav Chista, is vaday chayev. The e, zesh eri yochol, my kovit. Basically, your question, Roni, which is, what's he doing? I'm only Rav Hamnuna, take him a seyavadeh. What are you talking about? He did something. He helped him out. He contributed. He made a difference here. So, I'm a lay, mamash. Says, helping has no relevance. So over here, where without him, or it wasn't necessary to have him here, so his help over here, right, he didn't really add anything to the mix. Therefore, we don't worry about him, or we don't consider him in the picture. Now what's very interesting over here, Tosafot, first of all, points out, Venir the Ri, When we say that he's incapable of doing the Malacha, it's not because he's physically incapable of doing the Malacha. It's not because in potential he couldn't have done the Malacha. It's just because of the way that he's situated in this instance that he can't do it. So for instance, one guy is carrying the middle of the board. He's standing in the middle of the board and he could have carried it by himself. The other guy's standing at the end of the board and carrying it at the end. So had he been alone carrying it at the end of the board, he wouldn't have been able to do it no matter how strong he is. No matter how capable he is, he's just positioned along the board in the wrong place. And therefore he's deemed Enu Yachol. It's not an issue of potential ability to do it. Even if you have the ability to do it, it's a question of where you are situated in this instance that makes you incapable of carrying out the whole malacha. On the other hand, the other individual is in a placement where he can do the whole malacha by himself. And so that's an interesting nuance that they re-points out, that we're not talking about a person who can't, but rather a person, because of the situation, cannot do it. Alright, that's number one.
Number two is, we have a statement here by the Gemara, which the Gemara is going to follow up now, which is, Misayaya ain bomamash. When you help out, when you give assistance, ain bomamash. There's nothing to it. The problem is that we have a Gemara in Beitza and then a Gemara in Makot that both discuss this issue. The Gemara in Beitza says that if a person wants to put eye ointment into their eye on Shabbat, generally that would be considered to be a sore, to put the eye ointment in your eye on Shabbat, Mishum Rifu'ah, because it was doing something that is medicinal on Shabbat. Nevertheless, if you're a Choleh She'ein Bosakana, Choleh that's not in danger or life of limb, nevertheless you can have what we call Amir La'akum, you can have a non-Jew do it on your behalf or help you out in this instance, which is a general principle in Shabbat that a Chol Shein Sakana can have an Akum come along and do whatever it is that he needs to be done if they were dealing with Isurei Derabanan at least. The Isurei Deraita, then it becomes a little more problematic and there's a Machloket there. But with Isurei Derabanan, you can do a Mir Akum to help you out by a Chol Shein Sakana in medicinal issues. Gemara there asks a question, wait a minute. Even if you have the Akum come along and do it for you, that he is Misayaya. Because you open and close your eye. You have to open your eye in order to allow the ointment to be put in. And you have to close it to make it work. So Yeah, the Jew who's there is a participant. He's not putting the ointment in. But his opening and closing the eye assists in the placement of the ointment and of making it work. So why don't we say over there that he should be Chayav? It's interesting that the players there are Rav Zvid. In a second, we're going to see Rav Zvid as a player over here. And over there, Rav Zvid and Amemar are the two players over there who are both going to be mentioned over here. And Amemar says, wait a minute, isn't he opening and closing his eye? So the response of Rav Ashi over there is, yeah, you hold like Rav Zvid. Rav Zvid says that Misayaya is a problem. But we think Misayaya ain't bo mamash. Misaya has no benefit or no meaning, is not significant in any way. So the Gemara there concludes the same way that our Gemara closes, which is, Misayaya ain bo mamash. There's nothing to assisting or helping. You're not considered to be an active participant. You're not held culpable. The problem we do have to deal with, which I want to mention when we come along to, is that Rav Zvid and Amemar seem to have opposite opinions here, as they do there. Tosafot raises it and gives answers that are not so satisfactory. Rabbi Kiva Eger makes some other suggestions about some answers that we'll discuss when we get there. The more important thing is that there's actually a Gemara in the end of Makot, in Chafal Chavbet, Near Makot, the Isra of Lotakifu. The Isra not to cut off your sideburns, not to cut off the side of your hair. The Gemara over there says, Lotakifu, Echara Makif, Bechara Nikaf. That both the person who does the cutting of the sideburn off, as well as the one who has his sideburn cut off, both are held culpable. The Gemara says, okay, what's the case here? What's the situation? So the Gemara says, well, it's a case where he does it to himself, maybe. And then it comes up with the last case, is a case where someone else does it. He's Chaya for cutting it off. So why is the person who's having his sideburn cut off, he didn't do anything? Mar says, he's Misayaya. He moves the head, he makes the placement, he puts himself in a position where the person can cut it. Like when you go to the barber, the barber asks you, tilt this way, move this way, move your head so you can cut it. Because you made yourself accessible and helped, you're considered to be a misayaya and you are chayav. Over there, the Gemara seems to say, misayaya is chayav. So now we have a stira here in Shabbat, and in Beit the Gemara says, misayaya in Bomamash. Gemara in Makot says, Maseya Yeshbo Mamash. So how do you reconcile between these two? So the Ritva actually in Makot gives two answers. The Ritva gives two possibilities about what the answer is. He says there's different types of Maseya. Qualitatively, there's different types of Maseya. Some Maseya is just a little help, a little bit of an extra, and that's considered to be nothing. Other Maseya is considered to be much more active and participatory. 
So therefore, he says over here, the opening and closing of your eye, over here where the guy is found at the end of the board, Messiah is barely doing anything. He's barely interacting, barely making any movement. On the other hand, by the cutting of the hair, where you make yourself accessible, when the barber, when you're cutting all the time, there, you really have to be involved in the process. If you tilt you out this way, the person's not going to be able to cut your hair. And therefore, he says that there's a qualitative difference in the Messiah between the Gemara Makot, the Gemara here, and Beitzah. That's one answer he gives. The other answer he gives, and the two answers are very important because they have huge nafkamino, the alocha, and it comes up in the alocha, which is, the other answer the Ritva gives is that there's a difference between what the Gemara is trying to accomplish here and what the Gemara is trying to accomplish there. Over here in the Gemara in Beitzah, the Gemara is trying to make you culpable. The Gemara is trying to make you chayav in the Isra of Shabbat. So there the Gemara says, Misayaya, Einbo Mamash. When you do something like this, when you're just a little participant, you really do anything, that cannot make you culpable. On the other hand, in the Gemara Makot, what's the Gemara trying to find? It's not trying to find whether you're culpable. The Gemara asks a simple question over there. Okay, Lotakifu is written in the plural. So therefore we say both the person who does it and the object on which it's done, the person on which it's done, are both Chayavim, because it says Lotakifu. Echad makif, echad nikaf. The Gemara then asks, how can you make the person who had his sideburn cut off, Chayav, it's a lav she'en bo maise. Gemara says, no, he's misayeya. He helped out. So there, the Gemara is not answering the question of why you're culpable. The Gemara is answering why it is a lav she'yesh bo maise. So the difference between the Gemaras is what they're trying to get from you or what they're trying to accomplish. Our Gemara and the Gemara Beitzah are trying to accomplish to violate the Isur. Violating the Isur, Messiah can't help you for it. It can't make an Isur. Messiah doesn't make something an Isur. And the Gemara Makoda already says you're in violation of the Isur. We know that. question is, did you do a Maisa or not? There, Messiah can be classified as a Maisa. Why does this make a difference? The answer comes up in two different places. It comes up, one where it's discussed explicitly, and another place where it's discussed more in the modern post-scheme as well. Which is, the one place where it comes up explicitly is a woman who is going to the mikveh. A woman is going to the mikveh on Friday night. Generally, the minhag of Am Yisrael is that the women, when they go to the mikveh, they cut their nails before they go into the mikveh. That is a chumrah, a minhag that is a chumrah, because generally all they have to do is make sure that there was nothing under there, that it was clean. Even if there was stuff under there, it would only be an Easter durabanan. Nevertheless, the minhag is to cut off the nails. That is either because a minhag the chumrah to not worry about this issue, to make sure that there's nothing there. The other possibility, there's a ravan. There's a Ravan who says, actually, it's a dindo raita, that you have to cut off your nails, because he says that, anything that is going to be cut off, you look at it as if it is cut off already. And therefore, it's a chatzitza, because your nails eventually have to be cut. And since they're going to be cut, and they are made for removal, therefore, if you don't remove them, they are a chatzitza. That's a Ravan. He's a dat yachid, but, as in many things in halacha, he's a dat yachid that everybody's choshesh for and therefore, that's another reason why the women cut their nails before they go into the mikveh. This woman showed up Friday night to go to the mikveh. She forgot to cut her nails. So now what do we do? Many of the poskim believe that if a woman entered the mikveh without cutting her nails, if she has yet to be together with her husband or go home, she has to cut her nails and go back into the mikveh. That's how strong this minhag is, and that's how much we're choshish for the ravan. So now we enter into Shabbat. This woman's coming to the mikveh, and she hasn't cut her nails. What are we going to do? What are we going to do for her? So the Taz says, not much that we can do for her. Tell her to clean her nails. Clean under the nails, that's the Ikar Alakha, and you'll be fine. Wait, what do you want to suggest? I know someone who paskinned, and I think they're wrong, that they had a goy come in and cut her nails for her. Have the goy come in and do the cutting the nails. He says, that doesn't work. You know why that doesn't work? She's a misayaya. She has to put her fingers out, she has to help out, and she's a misayaya. What do you mean she's a misayaya? We just said here, misayaya ain't bo mamash. That's the Taz. That's number one. 
And number two is, he says the problem with cutting the nails might also be an isur. There's a machloket coming up on tomorrow's daf. Tomorrow's daf is Shabbat. You can mention this tomorrow when you learn the daf. That it says that if you cut your nails, you are chayav midoraita. Divri akol, you're chayav midoraita. Tosafot right away says that's only according to Rabbi Yehuda. Why is that according to Rabbi Yehuda? Because it's a malacha shein tzricha the gufa. Why was cutting done in the, in the Mishkan? They sheared the sheep. Why did they shear the sheep? Because they wanted the wool. Over here, when you cut your nails, you don't want the nails. You want to remove the nails. So it's a melocha she'en tzricha l'gufa. Therefore, Tosafot says that's only according to Rabbi Yehuda. We paskin like Rabbi Shimon. So therefore, you definitely are patur of Allah Sur because the melocha she'en tzricha l'gufa. There is a shut harivash. The shut harivash, actually, that we brought up once before by Psik Reishay. There he discusses about brushing hair on Shabbat and about the question of percentages or possibilities of what's considered Psik Reishay or not. Over there, he also mentions that maybe cutting the nails is not a malachah shein tzricha gufa. He says, because we found in the Mishkan that they also cut off the hair for the reasons of cleaning off the skins. They used to cut off the hair or remove the hair from the skins for the orat techashim that they made the covers for the Mishkan. And over there, they weren't shearing them or cutting off the hair for the hair itself. They were cutting off what he calls the yakot etaor, to make it nice. And therefore, here too, when people cut their nails, it's liyapot adyadav. It's to make your hands look nicer and to make it look better. So over here, liyapot adyadav would be a problem. The Taz says over here, that might enter a second possibility, which is the cutting of the nails with a kli might be an iser doraita. And if it's an iser doraita, then a mere lakum would not even help you. So therefore, the Taz rejects having a non-Jew do it and says she should just clean under her nails. The Shach in the Nikuta Takesef says, no way. He says, that, I- I'll tell you that the Taz is wrong on a number of levels. The first level is, Misayeya ain't ba mamash. He says, what are you talking about? Misayeya has no meaning. If it has no meaning, then who cares that she's presenting her hands to the woman? That's number one. Number two is, that cutting your nails is not an Isur Deoraita, because of Tosafot. Everybody paskins, it's Rabbi Shimon, except for the Rambam. We'll get to later today. Except for the Rambam, everybody paskins that Rabbi Shimon, the Malach Shein Tzrich Gufa is Patur. And this is the case, the Malach Shein Tzrich Gufa. And what the Rivash said is incorrect. He rejects the Rishut Rivash. Also, he says that that may be when you cut your nails, the Yapot, to make them pretty, then you could argue that it's a Malach Shein the Gufa. But here, she's not cutting her nails to make them look pretty. She's cutting her nails because she has to go to the mikveh. And so therefore, it's clearly not a case of Malach Shein the Gufa, even if you believe that the Rivash is right. He does mention the Ravan, who he says that he, Paskins, he and the Ramban, Paskins like this Ravan, that the cutting of the nails is an obligation. Not just a Chumrah, but an obligation because it's a Chatzitza. And therefore, the Shach believes you must get a non-Jewish woman to come and cut the nails. He says, preferably, she should pick them off or bite them off for you. But if she's not going to agree to it, she can do it with a kli, she can do it with the scissors. So based on that, the Shach says you definitely have to cut the nails before she goes into the mikveh. But their difference in opinion really relates to the two answers of the ritva over here about Misayeya. If you believe that there's qualitative differences in Misayeya, and that's the difference between the Gemara in Makot and the Gemara here, that's exactly what the Taz says. The Taz says when she presents her fingers and helps with the cutting of the nails, that's a significant Misayeya. And therefore she is Chayab. That's how he differentiates. He says, here Misayeya Bomamash, that's because he did nothing. He was just touching the board and doing something that wasn't necessary. Over there, without her presenting the fingers, you can't cut the nails. And therefore she considered to be a, a significant Misayeya, and that's why the Taz says you're Chayab. On the other hand, the Shach learns like the other answer in the Ritva. He says, wait a minute, Misayeya is always put to her. Ah, what about the Gemara Makot that says Misayeya is Chayav? says over there, the Gemara knew he was Chayav already. They were just trying to determine if it's a Maisa or not. 
To do to make it into a Maseya, yeah, Maseya helps. Maseya can't make you Chayav, and therefore you're Patur the Gamri the Gabe Shabbat. So the Shach and the Taz actually end up arguing in these two reasons in the Ridva as to whether Maseya applies in this case where the woman is having the Akum cut her nails going into the Mikveh. That's one time where it presents itself, it also presents itself, for instance, by medical issues. They're about to discharge you from the hospital, and they say, you know what, we just want to take a little blood before you go. So now, you have to go stick out your arm, you have to present your finger, you have to be a participant to give the blood. Is taking your blood necessary? No. But they have to do it to make sure that they have all the counts before you leave, and they can discharge you, so on and so forth. So it's not something that's medically necessary, it's not holoshet yesh posakana, it's a holoshein posakana. So does the amir la'akum help of here? It depends what you view in Messiah. If you think Messiah is always patur, no problem to take your blood on Shabbat, like the Shach says. Otherwise, if you hold like the Taz or the other enter in the Ritva, if you go to present your arm to give the blood, that's a significant Messiah. If you're a significant Messiah, you would be a problem on Shabbat. So that's also another nafkamina, all types of medical issues, where you, as the patient, have to somewhat participate. When you go into an MRI, you have to move this way, an x-ray, you have to shift your body. Where your Messiah is considered somewhat significant, will be a nafkamina between these two reasons in Messiah. Alright, so let's continue in the Gemara now. So, Amar Rav Zvid Mishmei Durava. Rav Zvid says over here, in the name Rav Afa Nanami Tanina. We have a Mishnah that says the same thing, the Messiah ain't bo mamash. Yosheva Gabi Amita, he's sitting on the bed. Ve'arba taliot, tachad ragle Amita, and there's a talit under each one of the legs of the Mita, tmeot. Each one of them is tamei, nesheinu yecholamoda shalosh. No bed can stand up on three legs, and therefore every leg is necessary to be there. Since every leg is necessary to be there, every one of them is Tamei, because now the Zav sat on all of these Talidot. Whereas Rabbi Shimon Mitaher, Rabbi Shimon is Mitaher over here. Now, Rashi says this is Rabbi Shimon the Tamei. Rabbi Shimon the Tamei, that Zainu Yachol, Zainu Yachol is Patur, or is Zainu Kimisayeya, it doesn't work. And therefore over here too. Since over here it's Zainu Chol, Zainu Yachol, it's still considered to be separate entities. That's what Rashi says. I thought right away that it seems strange to Rashi. And Tosafot picks up on it and says, I don't understand why Rashi thinks Rabbi Shimon thinks it's Lashitato. Rabbi Shimon says by Shabbat that Messiah doesn't count. Zeno Yechol, Zeno Yechol is Patur. It's Gzerat HaKotu. Gzerat HaKotu. Zeno Yechol, Zeno Yechol is Patur. Who says that over here that has any application? And Tosafot says over here the reason Rabbi Shimon is Potter has nothing to do with Shnaim Sarsu, Zeno Yechol, Zeno Yechol, but rather for a different reason. The reason is by Zav. In order for a Zav to make something Tamei, the robe of the Zav has to be on that item. And so over here, do you classify the robe of Zav being on these Talitot? Tanakam says yes, because without each of the legs, it wouldn't stay up the bed, and therefore each one of them independently is carrying the robe of Zav. But, Rabbi Shimon says that's not really the case. The case is that there's only one Zav here. And it can't be that there's a robe of Zav on each one of the legs. There's a robe of Zav divided between the four legs. And because of that, he is not mitamei the talitot. So Tosavot says it's a totally different reason why Rabbi Shimon is mitayar here. Nothing connected to our Gemara. The important thing here to remember is that Rav Zvit is now bringing a proof that misayaya einbo mamash. If he was riding on top of an animal, vidal taliot tachat raglea beima, and you have four talitot, each one under one of the legs of the animal, tehorot, those are tehorot mipnei, shicholamod algimo. An animal can stand on three legs. Taliot are the same thing as talitot. So that an animal can stand on three legs. So therefore, each leg is considered to be a misayaya. That's what the Gemara says. Vamai ha misayaya adadi. Each one of the legs is a contributing factor. Even though it could stand on three legs by itself, it doesn't need the fourth leg. Each one of the legs you're going to look at as the 
fourth leg. So la mishum darmina and misayeya in bo mamash must be because we believe that misayeya in bo mamash. Now Tosafot over here says that it's a case where the animal is stationary and standing on all four legs. Because if it is walking and it lifts one of the legs, then we know for sure which one is the misayeya and which legs are down on the ground. And those that are down on the ground are going to be mitame. On the other hand, if it's stationary, you can see each one of the legs is that fourth leg. And since each one of them could have been the fourth leg, each leg is considered like a misayeya, and therefore no tuma over here. So that's his proof that he brings from the Mishnah in Zavin. So I'm Rabbi Yehuda, midiskarta, I don't see a proof from that Mishnah. I'll tell you, Messiah has substance to it. It's different. It's very different. The animal over here can lift that leg up entirely. It's not Messiah at all. An animal with three legs could walk. We know that. That unfortunately, if an animal has to have one of the legs amputated, it can still move around. It's capable of moving around. So here, it's not even Messiah. You can lift that leg up, and the animal would function normally. And the reason that it's Tahor over here has nothing to do with Misayeya, but rather to do with this other din in Zava Mitapech, a Zav that's rolling around, which we're going to get to in one second in the Mishnah. But because each leg could have been the leg that he takes off the ground entirely and does not bear any weight, that's why it's not Tameh over here, because nothing to do with Misayeya, it's because the leg isn't involved at all. It's like a Zava Mitapech, Milo Tznan, don't we have a Mishnah in Zavin that says Zav? He's lying across five benches, or five, seems to be these long money sacks, something like akin to a sleeping bag, but just doesn't have the soft stuff in it. He's laying across these items. Le'orkan, Tameim, I explain like Rashi. Rashi says, if he lays on them lengthwise, they are Tamei. L'rochban, Teorim. If he lays on them long there with, then he's Teor. The reason being, what we said before, that a zav to be mitame something has to have the robe of his weight or body on a single item. If he lays on them lengthwise, then he's on a single bench. And he's on that bench entirely. He's laying across the length of the bench. And it's carrying all of his weight, or majority of his weight. And therefore, it's tame in that case. And then if he lies across the five benches, across the width of the five benches, no single bench is carrying his robe of his weight. So therefore, le'orkan there tameim, le'rochban teorim. Yashan, if he fell asleep, safek mitapech alehen, and we have a safek that he's rolling around on them, so we don't know what he did now, whether he laid across them the width or the length, tmeim, that they are tamei. Allah mishum darmina meseyeh imbo mamash, because meseyeh is not going to be considered to do anything. So number one we see is zava mitapech, a zav that moves around, if he gets onto all of the items, that they are tamei. When we have a safek by zavin, we say you are tamei. Azav, we have a safek, whether it was on this bench or that bench, then we say they are tmeim, if you lied across Orkan, and that'd be say the case over here. So I have no proof from your Mishnah about Rokheva Beima, there's no proof about Misayeya, because that's a different case. The reason that it's Torah over there is because you can lift the leg up entirely, nothing to do with Misayeya. But I do have a proof over here from Misayeya and Bumamash from the case where he's laying across the beds, we're laying across the benches, Le Rochbo. When he lays across them, across their width, we say that the benches are Tehorim. Why? Because each bench is just Misayeya. It's just helping to keep the Zav up, but no single bench is holding up the entire Zav. And that's why they are Tehorim. So we see from that Mishnah that Misayeya ain't bo mamash. Rav Zvid tries to bring a brew from the four legs, the Misayeya ain't bo mamash. Because it's Misayeya, all the Talitot are Tehorim under the legs, because no single leg is considered to be the leg where he's standing. Each one of them could have been the one that was the Misayeya. Never is Torah. 
So then, Rabbi Yudah Mitzvah says, I don't agree with you, because we know by Safek Zavin, if we have a Safek, whether he did or didn't, you're Tamei. So over here, you don't know which leg is the Messiah, and therefore you should be Tamei. So he says the reason by the legs is not because of Messiah, but rather because Akira. You can take that leg t- entirely off the ground. If you can take that entirely off the ground, the leg is completely unnecessary. It's not even Messiah. Right, so that's why he says they're all Teorim, because there's, it's not Messiah even. It's not even in the category of Messiah. It's as if the leg isn't on this Talit. That's the way he views it, that you don't have the Rova Zav on any one of the Talitot, because no leg is necessary over here. It's not Messiah, it's not necessary at all. The same Mishnah that he brings that says that Safek Zav should be Tamei, you can't prove anything from the first Mishnah, the four-leg Mishnah. Nevertheless, it also says when you lay across the width of the benches, the Mishnah that he brings that disproved the first Mishnah also happens to prove that Zmisayeya Eimbo Mamash. In the Mishnah, what's the reason that he's Tahor when he lays across the width of the benches? Because Zmisayeya Eimbo Mamash. Why is it any different than the horse? He could have removed any one of the benches. You don't need... No, there he couldn't have stayed. If you moved any one of the benches, he wouldn't have been able to lay anymore. By the horse, if he took away one of the legs, it would have been able to stand. Alright. We have another Mishnah that also says this. Rabbi Yossi Omer Hasus Mitamei Al Yadav V'chamor Al Raglav. When it comes to a horse, it's Mitamei on its four legs, and a chamor, a donkey, is Mitamei on its hind legs. Shemishenet Hasus Al Yadav, because a horse uses its four legs to bear its weight. V'chamor Al Raglav. And a donkey uses its hind legs to bear the weight. And Rashi says, oh, what about the Mishnah before that says, Dalit Aliyot, Tachar Vagleh Teo wrote. What about that? Why don't we say the same thing over here? Rabbi Yosef seems to say, if it's under the foreleg, you're Tamei. If it's under the hind legs of the Chamor, you're Tamei. What happened to that Mishnah before? He says, that's not Rabbi Yosef. Enochanami. Machlok between Rabbi Yosef and the Tanakama. The Tanakama is the author of that Mishnah before, Rabbi Yuda. And Rabbi Yossi is the author of this position over here, and they do not agree. Tosafot says that he does not think that's right. He says that Rabbi Yossi does not agree with only with the Seifa. And that is because it's on the two legs. That if you put one single talit under the two legs, without the two legs, no animal can stand. So there's a difference in the case. The case before was talking about there's one talit under each leg, and therefore each leg is considered not necessary. Over here you have two legs. So if you have two legs and the talit is under those two legs, the two legs are necessary. But Rabbi Yosef disagrees with the Tanakhama. It doesn't say it's any two legs. He says by the horse it has to be the four legs, and by the chamor it has to be the hind legs, because those are the weight-bearing legs. According to Tosafot, Rabbi Yosef is not disagreeing with what we said before. This is a totally different case, and that's why Rabbi Yosef says it. But what you see again is, there is this problem of Messiah, which is Amai. Why is it only the four legs or the hind legs by each of the cases? Amai, how come Messiah by Adadadi? All the other legs are helping. Lab Nishim Damrinen, Messiah Eimbo Mash. Must be that we hold Messiah Eimbo Mash. Amar of Ashi Afananta Mitanina. We also have a Mishnah to support this. Rabbi Elezomer, Ragloa Chatalakli, Ragloa Chatalaritzpa. We have a coin. One foot is barefoot. Coin has to be barefoot when he works in the Mikdash, and his feet have to be touching the ground. He has one foot on the floor of the Mikdash, one foot up on a Kli. Kli is a hefseg. Between him and the floor. So now, Ruin, If he's standing on the ground and the glee, the question is, how much weight is being borne by the glee of the stone? How do we test it? Pull out the glee, pull out the stone. If he falls over, then we know that it's bearing his weight, and it's a katsitsa. On the other hand, if he doesn't fall over then, then all the weight's being borne by the leg that's on the ground, and there is no katsitsa over here. What are you talking about? Even if you say he pulls it out, he would still be standing. Nevertheless, it's still helping him at this time to remain standing. 
So why isn't it Messiah? La Mishum Darina Messiah ain't Bomamash. Must be that we hold Messiah ain't Bomamash. Amravina, Afanam Namitanina. We also have a Mishnah, Kibel Biyamin, Ubismol. By a Kohen who does a Voda, a Kohen may only do his Voda with the right hand. He has to be a righty Kohen in order to be Kashul Avoda. If he does it with his left hand, then it is Pasul. So over here, he was Mikabel the Dam in his right hand, but he used his left hand to support it. Avodak Sheva. It's considered to be kasher. Why is it kasher? Small is pasul for avodah. He should have to do it only in his right hand. The answer again, The left hand is helping out here. You see over here that So we have a list of proofs here that from different Mishnayot throughout Shas. I pointed out to you before that Rav Zvid over here says, he brings up one of the proofs, that yet, Rav Zvid in the Gemara and Beitza is that so Tosafot says, oh, don't worry about it. The answer is over here. Rav Zvid is saying in the name of Rava. Over there, Rav Zvid is saying it himself. So Tosafot solves the problem in a difficult way by saying, oh, either they changed their mind, they learned their lesson, they're saying it over in someone else's name. But Rekiv Eger, on the other hand, differentiates between the cases and says that the Misayeya over here and there are different. The Misayeya by the eye, the opening and closing of the eye is absolutely necessary for doing the Kechol enough. If you don't open and close your eye, there's going to be no ointment put into your eye. Over there, it may not be as extensive as the fingernails, because we still know the Ritva differentiated between those cases. But Akiva Yeager says, at least between the Messiah here, who's completely unnecessary, and the Messiah over there, who is necessary, there we can differentiate. And maybe that's why they have a different opinion. Rav Zvid have different opinions. Over here they say Messiah and Bomamash. Over there they say Messiah Yesh Bomamash, because they are necessary for the Melacha over there. So that's one possibility about how to differentiate. And he says the same the other way around. You can differentiate between that case and the case over here, because in the case by Kolenav, you really didn't do anything. You didn't really participate in it. You were necessary, but you didn't do anything active. You just moved your eye up and down. Over here, the person's actually carrying the board. Even though he's completely unnecessary, he still did something. So you could differentiate between two cases. That's why maybe some of the Amoraim are saying in one case yes, in one case no. So that's how Rabbi Kibbeheger distinguishes between the cases. Now we continue in the Gemara. Amarmar. Zeyachol v'zeyachol Rabbi Meir Mechayev. The gears that we have in our Gemara is, if both of them are capable of doing it, Rabbi Meir is Mechayev, and now the Gemara asks a question. The truth is that this same question could have been asked on Rabbi Yehuda. On Rabbi Yehuda, it's Zeyno Yachol v'zeyno Yachol. If both of them are unable to accomplish it themselves, and they do it together, they're both culpable, the same question could have been asked on Rabbi Yehuda. The question is, why didn't the Gemara ask the question on Rabbi Yehuda? The Rach actually had a girsa. If you look, anybody has a regular Gemara. On the bottom there, in the wide lines of the Rach, he says, They asked the question now. What's the question? So he thinks that the girsa in the Gemara was, Tosafot says he's not willing to erase the Girsaot in the Gemaras, and he wants to leave it the way it is, and that he thinks that the Girsa of the Rach is somewhat problematic. And therefore he rejects the Girsa of the Rach. He says, even though it's true in the end that we're going to learn from Rabbi Meir to Rabbi Uda, nevertheless the Gemara is focused on Rabbi Meir. And what is that? The question is, when you say that two people do something, do you, does you have to have a significant shear on the Malacha that each one of them accomplishes the Malacha with the Shior? Or is one shiur sufficient between them in order to be culpable over here? So Rav Chizda Rav Amnuna, Chad Amar Shiur Lezev Shiur Lezev. One of them says 
Each one of them needs a shear. When it says that it's one shear for all of them. What does that mean? If you have, for instance, carrying. Yeah. Carrying out. Do you need two grogerets for them to carry out together over here? Or a single grogeret? The capability of them carrying it is indifferent between one grogeret and two grogerets. Each one of them could have done it themselves. But now they do it together. When they do it together, do we demand that there's two grogerets there, a grogeret for each one of them? Or a single grogeret between them is sufficient over here. So the Gemara says, Amra Papa, Yishmei Rava, Af Anan Mitanina. Now we're going to have a raft of Mishnayot, and they all prove one thing, that you only need one shiur. Af Anan Mitanina. Yosheva Gabi Mitah, Varba Taliyot, Tachar Abrei Raglea Mitah. Familiar? It's a bed that has Varba Taliyot under each one of the legs of the bed. Tzmeyot. Bifnei Sheni Yachol Amod HaShalosh. Tzmeyot, because he can't stand on three legs. Vamai. Vibai Shir Zivu Lezev, Shir Zivu Lezev. She require Rov Azav for each leg that is there. That's exactly what Rabbi Shimon says. Shimon says you're patur because there isn't a Zav for each leg. But the Tanakhama says you're chayav even with one Zav there. Lab Mishum Darminim Shir Echad Dukudam. Must be that there's a single shiur. Amar Rav Nachman Yitzchak Af Anan Amitanina. We also have a Mishnah. Sri Shenichnas the Bait. It's a Mishnah coming up later in the Masechet on Daf Kuvav. Deer goes into the house. Vinala Chad Bifanav. One guy goes and sits in the doorway. And he blocks the doorway. Chayav for Tzedah. He's now trapped the deer inside the house. But, Naolushnaim, if two people sit there, they are Pturim. Lo yachel echad bin o. If the doorway is so wide that you need two of them to be there in order to lock the doorway or to block the doorway, Naolushnaim do sit down. Chayavim. Vamai. Dibayar shir Tzedah lezev shir Tzedah They only trapped one animal. So you should have that shir Tzedah for each of them. You don't have that. You only have one animal over there. Lav dmishum darmin and shir echad must be because we say that you only need one shear between them. Over there, that Mishnah is clearly authored by Rabbi Huda. Because it says, Zeinu Yachol, Vzeinu Yachol, Chayav. Then it says, Zeinu Yachol, Vzeinu Yachol, Patur. Shita Rabbi Huda is the author of that Mishnah. And we prove from that that it's a shear achad kulam. So Rashi says, we extrapolate. That's a din for Rabbi Huda. So too, that's a din for Rabbi Meir. Problem Tosfat had with the Rach's Girsa is, we know what Rabbi Yehuda holds, because we have a Mishnah coming up. So how could Amoraim argue about what Rabbi Yehuda's position is? And that's why he rejects the Girsa of the we have nothing explicit about Rabbi Meir, and that's why the Gemari asked it in Rabbi Meir's opinion, even though it's true that the same question arises by Rabbi Yudah. We have another Mishnah, that they stole and they shechted an animal chayavim. Should require a shiur of shkita for this one, a shiur of shkita for that one. That you need a single shear for each of them. That's what it says. The Gemara didn't ask about Geneva. Because Geneva has no shear. It's not exactly true. Geneva has a shear of a pruta. But nevertheless, in terms of the shear for Geneva, there is a shear for both of them. The problem is by Tevicha, where you can only shift an animal once. And you have two partners that are in the stealing, then you can only shift once. Nevertheless, they're both held culpable in that case. We also have another Mishnah. Two people took out the staff of the weaver. Chayavin. Vamai. The bay shiro tzala zev shiro tzala zev. La bishum darmina and shiro chadu kulan. It must be because one shiro is sufficient for both of them. Amalei ravacha braid the rubble or vashi. Dilma diidbei gedei lavashu beitz akala. Talking about a staff, a piece of wood. A piece of wood, you can use it for firewood. If it has firewood, firewood, all you need is sufficient to cook an egg. Maybe the staff has enough to cook two eggs. And there is a shear for each one of them. Imkain, where I said, wait a minute, if that's the case, Lishmain and Kanadalma, then it should just say any staff. Maishna de Gardi. Why did it specifically say the staff of a weaver? So my says, Maybe there's enough in this weaver's shuttle for them each to do a weaving or to make a mat of some sort. 
From that mission, we have no proof. They presented a bride before Rav Nachman. Two people who took out a Kanesh Gade, two rim. They are but to her, Rabbi Shimon Mechayev. Shimon is Mechayev. He says, Can't be. It's gotta be just the opposite. It makes no sense. El Eima Chayavin, that the Tanakhama says they're Chayavin, which would be Rabbi Meir. Or Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Shimon Poter. And Rabbi Shimon is Poter, because Rabbi Shimon says, Shnaim She Asu are always Turim, even if it's Zeno Yochol, Zeno Yochol. And then the Tanakhama will say over here that he is Chayav. Uh, now, we have a Mishnah here. We'll begin the Mishnah, and then we'll leave the rest off for to handle on Shabbat. Hamotzi Yochlim Pachot Mikishior Bikli. person takes out food, but the food is less than the Shior required to be Chayav, but he also takes out the utensil to carry it. The utensil is clearly big enough to be Chayav for carrying, but he doesn't care about the utensil. He cares about the food. Patur Afalakli. It's pachot nishior. It's called the chazi shior, even though the kli is a full shior over here. because it's considered to be secondary to the food that you're carrying out. Etachai b'mita. If you take a live person out on a bed, patur afalamita. You're not only patur for carrying a live person, you're always patur for carrying a live person because you're not considered to be carrying because chai no set that small. He assists you in carrying of his body, and therefore you are always patur for carrying. But even if he's on a bed. Nevertheless, you're also put to her there because the mitah is failalo. Again, the mitah is secondary, is nullified to the person themselves, and it's as if you're carrying the person themselves. Et a mate be mitah. Carry out a niftar on a mitah. There, now we don't have the mate helping you anymore. He's stationary, he's dead weight, literally. And therefore, when you carry it out, you're chayab on the mitah as well. Chayin kazayit min a mate, kazayit min a nevelo, kazayit min a sheret. All these items that are significant in terms of Tumah. So since you're going to remove them because of the Tumah, you're Chayav on all of them, even if you carry them on something else. Not only are you Chayav for the Tumah that you carry out, you're Chayav for the object that you carry out with them. Shimon Puter. Rabbi Shimon says you're Pator in all of these cases. Why does Rabbi Shimon say you're Pator? Mlacha she'en tzricha le'gufa. What's the Mlacha is done to move object from point A to point B. You want the object to get to point B, and that's what you did in the Mishkan. Over here, that's not the case. Machlok and Rashi and Tosafot, why that's not the case. Rashi says it's not the case, because over here, you're doing something negative. What you want to do is misalek. Here you want to remove the item. You don't want to move the item to point B. You simply want to remove it from point A. And because of that, it's classified as Machashen Tzrichol Gufa. On the other hand, Tosafot says it's classified as Machashen Tzrichol Gufa, because... Melacha Tzrichol is defined by the Mishkan. Whatever they did in the Mishkan defines the Melacha. If you don't do it like you did in the Mishkan, you haven't done the Melacha. And that is, in the Mishkan, they carried an object from point A to point B because they needed it at point B. They were bringing the donations to the Mishkan because they needed the donations where they were building the Mishkan. So they needed the object there. They did not take things out in the Mishkan to remove them from that area. So it doesn't mimic, it's not the paradigm that's set up by the Mishkan, and therefore it's considered the Melacha Tzrichol Gufa. It's not necessarily a lot of nafkamino between them, but they do formulate it differently. The Malach Shein Tzrikhal Gufa, going to Rashi, is because it's formed in the negative. Tosavot said that it's nothing to do with the negative or the positive. It has to do with the way it was done in the Mishkan. Tosavot presents problems for Rashi Shita with things like negative Malachot. But we have Malachot that are done soter, not leave notes. And sort of negative Malachot, Tosavot brings questions because of that on Rashi. It's a long Tosavot on Tzadi Dalit Amad Aleph. Person takes out ochlim of the size. Imbikli chayav al ochlim. If he took it on the kli, it's chayav on ochlim. Patur al kli, it's patur for the kli. If he couldn't carry it out the ochlim without the kli, 
it's a liquid, it's small items that he couldn't have carried all together without the clay. Chayav af ala kli. There he's chayav even on the kli. Question is, so what? You can only be chayav once. I Meaning in terms of when you forget on Shabbat and Elamachat and you do a malacha, even if you do the same malacha twice, you only chayav once. So even if you're culpable for the kli, why should it make a difference? You're already culpable for carrying out the food item. Why do you have to be culpable for the kli here? That's what the Gemara says. Wait, Based on what you're saying now, if in a single forgetting you ate two kazetim worth of fats that are asur, you'd be chayav twice. Because that's what this is suggesting. So Gemara says, where he was forgetting. He was a shogay with regards to the food, but he's amazing with regards to the kli. So there are different chayav. One is chayav achatat, the other one is chayav mita. It's different culpabilities over here. Matkila ravashi v'ha af alakli ktani. It doesn't fit the wording so well because it says af alakli. Af alakli means also on the kli, meaning it's the same culpability that you had for the yochlim. Therefore, it seems to indicate that they're both the same. Alar ravashi going to shaga bazel bazet. He's shogeg on both of them. Venodalo v'chazar venodalo. It's a case. You're right. He did it in one forgetting. But how he remembered it afterwards makes a difference. He found about one violation first, and then he found about the second violation. And this is a plug to Rabbi Yochanan Bishim ben Lakish. Same as the Machlokah we saw earlier already in the Mesechta, back in the Daf Ayin Aleph, that we saw the Machlokah between Rabbi Yochanan Bishim Lakish about what constitutes separation. What constitutes a division to make it a separate Chiyuv Chatat. So over there we had two possibilities of the formulation. One was Rabbi Yochanan says simply Yediyah is enough. If you know about it, that's once you find out about it, then you become chayav chatat. If you find about the other one another time, that's two separate chatot. Rishlagish says it's not enough. Yediyah is not enough. You need Yediyah plus hafrasha. You have to actually separate out the chatat before it separates into two separate entities. But a different formulation of the machloket, which was even Rabbi Yochanan agrees Yediyah is not enough. Only after your mafrisha korban chatat for this isur, can you not then use this chatat for another isur? And Rishlagish says no, 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 no. Until you mit kaper. On this, then you can still join them together as a single entity, but if you're already mit kaper, then you can't join them together. So that's what the Gemara is saying over here. This idea that Yechayam and Shtayim is a case where when you did it, you didn't know about either of them. You were shogeg on both of them. The question is, when you found out about them afterwards, that violation, how did you find out about the violation? You didn't find out about them simultaneously. If you find out about them simultaneously, everybody agrees, you bring one chatat. The question is, when you find out about them sequentially, then is that one chatat or two chatot? Depends on what you did in between, and it depends on this machlok between Rabbi Yochanan and Shlokish. And that's what the Gemara is after here, saying Yochai of Shtayim. It'll make a difference in the prologue to forgetting, when you find out about them, how many chatot are you chayav? Not saying that in one forgetting, if you do two violations, that you'll actually be chayav two chatot. Okay, stop over here.